Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Food for Thought, where we talk about anything and everything as it pertains to health, wellness, and being your best self. I'm Carissa McKay, one of the health promotion specialists in Edmonton. And today I am joined by my two fellow HPSs, Nicole Emerson and Heather Garot Miller, as we continue on the topic of heart health in recognition of February being Heart Month. Today, we'll be discussing the relationship between heart health and mental health and how they impact each other. We all know that physical and emotional health are connected, so I think it will be really cool to dive into exactly how that connection works. Welcome back, Nicole and Heather. This is going to be a good topic. Thanks, Carissa. Happy to be here. This is such a fitting topic post-Valentine's Day to talk about the emotional side of heart health and explore a little more the interconnectedness of the mind, heart, and body. That's so true, Nicole. We need to nourish ourselves in many ways to keep our heart healthy and happy. Heart health is not just about diet and exercise. It's also about one's outlook on life. For sure. And I think that's such a good message to remind ourselves of. And I think intuitively, we've known about the emotional connection between the heart and mind for a long time. Because we as a society continue to say things like, I have a broken heart when we're really sad, or I almost had a heart attack when we're scared or worried and use heartfelt and love you with all my heart when describing genuine feelings and love. We've been saying these things for a very long time, so it comes as no surprise that there is a growing body of research now supporting this and showing that good mental health can reduce cardiovascular risks, while poor mental health can increase the risk of heart disease. And while health professionals have known for decades that smoking, hypertension, high cholesterol, and diabetes account for most cardiovascular problems, it's only been more recently that emotional stress was identified as an independent risk factor. A new scientific statement from the American Heart Association reported a clear emerging link between psychological health and heart health, which I think is absolutely fascinating. That's so true. And new research is showing that there's a strong link between heart health and mental health, with one affecting the other in several ways. For example, stress, anxiety, and depression can increase the risk of heart disease, while heart disease can also contribute to mental health problems such as depression. So the question is, can depression cause heart disease or heart attack? Well, when considering the physiological effects on the body, when someone experiences depression, anxiety, or stress, the heart rate and blood pressure rise, there's a reduced blood flow to the heart, and the body produces higher levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Over time, these effects can lead to heart disease. A study recently published in the Journal of American Heart Association reported that young adults with depression or overall poor mental health report more heart attacks, strokes, and risk factors for cardiovascular disease than their peers without mental health issues. And it's important to note that poor mental health and depression doesn't just affect behavior. And for years, doctors thought that the connection between mental health and heart health was strictly behavioral, thinking that when a person is feeling down, they seek relief by doing things like smoking or drinking or eating fatty foods. These things can be absolutely true, but the connection doesn't stop there. There's also the impact of high levels of stress, hormones, and inflammation that results from poor mental health that are both risk factors for cardiovascular disease. It just goes to show that things are generally much more complicated and interconnected than we might originally think. And there certainly seems to be a chicken or the egg aspect to this. But what's also extremely interesting are the different ways people experience mental health challenges after a cardiac event or procedure. Danielle Henkel, MD, is a cardiologist at the Loma Linda University International Heart Institute. And she says it's common for people who survive a cardiac event or procedure to struggle mentally. 
about one in five will develop a serious form of depression, while one in three will come away from the experience with anxiety. She says that the depression or anxiety could become a second diagnosis alongside the cardiac diagnosis. You've talked a little bit about your dad and his experience with this, Nicole. Would you be okay sharing a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. When we first started talking about this topic, it reminded me of the conversation I had with my dad after his heart attack. And so thankful I was able to have this conversation because he did survive his heart attack. And he said that during his recovery, he felt the emotional impact of the trauma and even said that it, it now made sense to him why we've always said things like, love you with all my heart, like you were saying at the beginning, uh, Carissa, because of how he was feeling afterwards. And there's growing evidence to show that a heart event is an emotional experience, not just a physical one. Depression is reported in over 7% of Americans ages 18 and older, and the figure can be as high as 20% for post-heart attack patients, according to, again, the American Heart Association. For my dad, he was living a healthy lifestyle at that time, so eating well, prioritizing sleep, staying active, but despite his best efforts, still experienced this event, and it really took an emotional toll. And Heather also has experience with this after having had a cardiac event and, and a heart procedure late last fall, and she's agreed so graciously to share a little bit of her experience with us here today. So Heather, can you tell us a little bit more about what happened? Sure. Um, yeah, it's been a real life-changing year for me. For the better part of 2022, I'd been experiencing unusual symptoms. I couldn't catch my breath when I did any kind of exercise. Even just loading groceries in my car left me buckled over and trying to catch my breath. And I was tired all the time. And I had this intense brain fog. I couldn't think clearly or focus on anything at all. And I had begun to investigate those symptoms with medical professionals, but because I had no history of heart disease, they were not quick to jump to the conclusion that something was wrong with my heart. My heart rate had progressively slowed down to the point where it was down to about 25 to 35 beats per minute at all times. And things got scary enough that I took myself to the ER in September and I was told then that I needed a pacemaker. It was always a possibility for me because familial sinus bradycardia runs in my family. Um, which is caused by a mutation in the gene coding for the heart's natural pacemaker. And it's actually quite rare compared to other sinus node conditions. But for me, I believe that I had taken really good care of my heart and was already in my 50s. So the chance that it was going to happen to me when everyone else in my family that has familial sinus bradycardia was much, much younger than me. So it seemed really implausible that this was happening to me. Well, you know, I was wrong. And when I landed myself in the ER, it was really scary. Um, and I had this team of people around me and I just had a really big emotional breakdown because it was just so frightening to realize how fragile life is, I guess. Oh my goodness. And I mean, I, we can, we can hear that emotion in your voice and, and it sounds terrifying. And we're so thankful, so, so thankful that you listened to your body that day and you went to the ER and you received the treatment and, and the pacemaker at that time. And it's easy to see, so easy to see how a cardiac event places strain on mental health with the fear and uncertainty of, of everything that's going on. And you mentioned that you also felt devastated and betrayed by your body. And we know you and, and how important active living is and eating well. And so it, it absolutely makes sense that you'd be feeling that way. So can you share more about 
about that and the emotional side of your experience? Yeah, thanks for asking that, Nicole. I'll say that prior to the event, to be fair, I was already somebody that was often anxious and I have had bouts of depression. So I'll say my natural disposition wasn't going to be doing me any favors in this situation. I've been really struggling with my mental health since the event. I'm just finishing up my cardiac rehab as we record this. And one thing that really stands out to me is that mind challenge. So even though I'm doing that cardiac rehab right now, I continue to be an ongoing patient. I have two or three appointments every single week, which in and of itself is mentally draining to keep going. And, you know, sometimes there's setbacks like I had this morning that throw you off a little bit. So, yeah, so I'm a little bit uh, feeling fragile today, but I think it's a good thing to be able to share with you. When I look at how things have gone through the cardiac rehab, I've had this really consistent upward trajectory with my physical health, but my mental health continues to struggle. I think it's really complex. Some of the mental health challenges come from a feeling of shame. I know that sounds illogical, especially given that this was a genetic condition I had, but I felt embarrassed and I felt I would be stigmatized and judged because I had a heart event. I felt like I was to blame. We put so much pressure on ourselves. Maybe that's just me to be perfect beings. And let's face it, none of us are. I've always been active, but my brain told me that I hadn't been active enough. I've always liked nutrient dense foods and I eat them often, but I also love delicious soul nurturing foods like chocolate and cheese. So my mind told me I was also to blame for that. As I mentioned, I also struggled with anxiety and depression, and my mind told me that I wasn't doing enough to address those things. So I really felt like the time that I spent in the hospital waiting for the pacemaker, I was just really beating myself up and on a real blame game, and it was all towards myself. Wow. Thanks for sharing all of that and for your vulnerability and and sharing that. You can see how, you know, with that thinking pattern, how it's easy to get caught up in and being hard on ourselves and thinking and wondering, could I have done more and and beating ourselves up over that when, you know, there's obviously there's bigger things at play and, and you were doing all those right things for yourself. And it just, you know, happened that this is this is what happened. And it's so interesting that you say all those things and it makes a lot of sense. So what's helped you then with the emotional side of recovery? So you mentioned the cardiac rehab and, and you've said to us many times that, you know, you're obviously a a rock star in, in the physical aspect of the cardiac rehab because of the lifestyle that you lived and the activity that you've always done and has always been a big part of your life. So what strategies are you finding helpful right now more so on the emotional part of things well first of all I have to say that you know this whole theme is going to be about support for me Uh, I have to say that working for an organization that has supported me through this and given me the time I needed to work through those things has been really helpful if I had to jump back into work full bore right now and I'm still not completely full-time I think I'd be struggling even more Something that people might not know about cardiac rehab today is that it's changed significantly and that a big aspect of it is a mental portion. You have a giant team of people around you. Any practitioner that you could imagine is part of my team. And those practitioners have recognized the intense need for that emotional support. And so they incorporate it. 
even knowing that the health professionals think that this is of high importance has made a huge difference for me. It is simply validation that the way that I was feeling was okay. And I was told over and over again, be kind to myself, that recovery physically and mentally takes time. As a result of those talks with the mental health professionals on the cardiac rehab team, I've really been focusing on my self-talk, focusing on catching the negative things I say about myself to myself and reframing them in a positive light. The other part for me is having people in my life that have been a mirror for me, showing me I have really amazing, wonderful friends and they're able to reflect back the things in me that I don't see about myself, showing me that I'm strong, that I'm resilient, especially when I'm feeling vulnerable and I'm feeling weak. My friends really know me and they know that I expect a lot of myself and I get down on myself when I'm not meeting my unreasonable expectations and they encourage me to meet myself where I am today and they encourage me to take time to just be me. They encourage me to enjoy chocolate as much as I enjoy a hard workout and they remind me to embrace life in all the little moments. So I have to say that social support for me has definitely been my biggest helper. And I will say that it is easier to take those things my friends are saying to heart when your heart health and by virtue of that, your life has literally been on the line. Absolutely. And again, thank you for sharing all of that and and your experience and, and for being so open about that. And I don't think it gets talked about enough when, you know, when someone goes through something like what you've gone through and, you know, all the typical parts of recovery, like the medication, the low sodium diet, the physical activity, et cetera, you know, that's all highlighted and, and well known, but it's that emotional side that also needs to be a big piece in that care and follow up and recovery. And you mentioned so many times the self talk and the social connection, and that's so key and should be prioritized in that recovery plan. So it's it's good to hear that that's been incorporated with the cardiac rehab. And, and I think just talking about it and, and reinforcing it is really important. And you both mentioned in episode two of this season about self-care and taking care of both heart health and mental health is essential in recovery and in lowering the risk of a cardiac event. And just to highlight some of those tips again, and maybe there's some new tips here, just some of the things that we want to emphasize are things like stress management techniques and doing things like mindfulness activities and deep breathing. And we know that mindfulness meditation has become one of the most popular relaxation practices over the past decade and combines heightened non-judgmental awareness of one's surroundings and feelings with slow deep breathing exercise. And this type of stress reduction practice has been associated with improvements of hypertension and depression. So a really good one to highlight. Another one is comic relief and laughter, which I think kind of, it gets forgotten about, but is it so important and, you know, kind of naturally comes out with social connection and good friends where, you know, we share a good laugh and it's connection to the cardiovascular health has only become apparent in recent years. So specifically a hearty belly laugh and it's release of beta endorphins. And I find it fascinating that recent studies have found the risk of heart attack and stroke is reduced in individuals who laugh on a regular basis. And I I think it kind of makes sense too. And now if you think about the last time you really laughed, 
can you recall that? And if not, it might be something to be aware of and maybe asking yourselves, you know, why that might be, what's what's stopping that from happening. Another strategy um, is listening to music. And it actually came up in one of our recent workshops when we talked about mental fitness training and how listening to music and music that we really connect to can release dopamine and make us feel good. It also gives us something to focus on when doing a grounding activity. The next one with, you know, we talked about activity and getting up and moving and being physically active and more importantly, moving in a way that suits you and your fitness level is ideally something that's going to keep you motivated and staying with that activity. So regular exercise, movement, along with eating well are integral to health. And then practicing good sleep hygiene. We talked about sleep on previous episodes and it's so important. And we'll just reinforce it again. Rest in terms of quality and quantity of sleep hours. We know that it's critical to our overall well-being and without it, everything else kind of falls apart. But we also recognize that stress and anxiety and depression can impact sleep, which is why the next point is so important. And that's to seek help for mental health concerns like depression or other mental health issues. Don't expect to manage these conditions on your own. And there's a reason why these resources and supports exist. So seek them out and use them. And lastly, but certainly not least, connecting with friends and loved ones for social support. We are social creatures, whether we're introverted or extroverted, we all need connection and we need those people in our lives that are there for us, like you've described, Heather, and that we can also be there for and and return. So I'll summarize this with a line that when I was reading through different research articles and This one story I was reading through and this line really spoke to me and I thought it was a great way of summing this up. And that's to laugh, listen to music and hug your favorite people and pets if you have one. And such are the keys to a longer, happier life. And I couldn't agree more. The more action we take in care of ourselves and our physical and emotional well-being, the better the protection will be for our hearts. Those are such great suggestions and reminders, Nicole, that we have to really think outside the box a lot when we're thinking about something like getting better from whatever it is. I think that we tend to want to put things into a very nice little box with a bow on it and say that we've done all the things, but really there's so many other things to consider. So it's good food for thought for people to remember. And for us as well, because when we do what we do in health promotion, it's often through the lens of helping others, encouraging others to make changes, to seek different perspectives, to change their self-talk, and to make sure to be supportive of those around them. And it's clear from listening to you both today that a lot of the time, it's actually happening a lot closer to home. Nicole, you and your dad, and Heather, our colleague and friend, right here in our office. I think it speaks to the importance of having those relationships with family and friends that encourage openness and honesty, and perhaps, above all, vulnerability. We will likely all need support from someone for something at some time. And as Nicole said, post-Valentine's Day is a good time to remember that caring for others is also something that should be something that we do 365 days a year. None of us know what our breaking point is or when it might come. All we can do is the best we can with what we've got and to be smart about how we take care of ourselves. Get checked, know your numbers, and know what to do in an emergency. I'll put the link for emergency signs and when to call 911 from the Heart and Stroke Foundation in the show notes because it'll help you to recognize heart attacks and stroke and what to do so that you can put it in your phone or do whatever you need to do so that you recognize those signs and what to look for so that you can get emergency response on its way as soon as possible, if not for yourself, then for someone close to you. 
And I'm also going to put the link for the Men's Health Foundation in there because they have a MindFit toolkit as well as a whole checklist for specifically men to address the things that they don't often look at or consider. So that link is going to be there too to help to address the fact that if you want to protect your heart, sometimes you need to start with your mind. So I'd like to just thank you both so much uh, for sharing your knowledge and your experiences. And uh, I apologize for getting a little bit verklempt there. Hopefully our listeners have learned from or can relate to what was talked about today and for the rest of Heart Month and the year. So let's make sure that we take to heart the importance of being heart smart, not just in what we do physically to take care of ourselves, but mentally as well. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Join us again next month for more Food for Thought. And in the meantime, take care, stay healthy, and we'll see you on the flip-flop.